0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North American, all the ships at sea. My name is Philip Terzi, and I'm the literary editor of the Weekly Standard, and this is the weekly podcast on the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. This week we're looking at the November 2nd issue of the Standard. Um, November 2nd, of course, uh, you American history buffs, is President Harding's birthday, but we're not celebrating it in any particular way this year. Instead, the lead piece in the Books and Arts section is a wonderful essay um, by Christoph Ermscher of a new biography of Alexander von Humboldt called The Invention of Nature, Alexander von Humboldt's New World. Uh, Christoph Ermscher is an English professor at Indiana University who frequently writes about um, science, natural science, um, uh, in our pages uh, and is the author of several books on the same subject. But this new book um, by Andrea Wolf from Knopf is um, a a new, relatively modern uh, biography of um, a man who is now not as well known as he once was, but Alexander von Humboldt was a, a German um, scientist, um, explorer, biologist—one um, might say scientific theorist—who really um, was a, a dominant figure in, in certainly in European and to, to, to that extent American scientific studies in the uh, 19th. Century, um, we know, um, uh, 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 we know from names like the Humboldt Current and Humboldt State University in uh, Washington State that uh, his name was on the lips of most people with what we might call scientific literacy in his day. Um, his speculations about the origins and nature of the cosmos were well ahead of their time. He was a kind of intellectual precursor of. Um, Huxley and Darwin and, and others um, I have a photograph uh, uh, with the review it's slightly poignant to me it's a, it's a scene I've seen many times in real life it's, it's, the, it's the main building of the Humboldt University in Berlin it used to be East Berlin, now Berlin and um, there's a very nice statue of Alexander von Humboldt, for whom the university is named out front. And I noticed in the photograph, and I don't think I'd ever noticed this walking by it, but there's a there's an inscription. I mean, it's clearly a 19th century statue, might be slightly later, but there's a there's an inscription around the bottom. That says Al Segundo Descubridor de Cuba, La Universidad de la, de la Habana, in 1939, which I uh, I'm not a sp- Spanish-speaker, I regret to say. I take that to mean the second discoverer of Cuba, and it was clearly there was some kind of a homage to uh, uh, Humboldt from uh, uh, science professors at the University of Havana in 1939. It's hard to imagine um, anything comparable to that happening with today's University of Havana scientific faculty, but it's an interesting uh, vestige of um, a, a freer Cuba, as it were, uh, which interestingly, I guess the East Germans never molested or never noticed in those years, <laughs> but anyway uh, humboldt's life is 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 a very interesting reading and Christoph Ermscher really brings him to life in this piece I, I think you will very much enjoy reading it uh, that is followed by a review by Graham Hillard of a new novel in translation uh, entitled Submission by Michelle hollebeck who's a a one might call a provocative French novelist, and Submission is actually a kind of almost a Orwellian novel. It's a projection into the immediate future where France has become a majority Muslim state and not only that but an Islamist state, um, probably an overstatement as a um, prediction of uh, the shape of things to come, but an interesting uh, view of how... Uh, radical Islam would adapt to a European setting and uh, interesting too because holbeck is not what I would call a particularly conservative uh, individual um, as a novelist uh, or a citizen but the fact that he has seen fit to um, ponder this vision I think is, is significant. It's an interesting essay by Graham Hillard about it. That is followed by a review by Terry Teachout of a new book from Jay Winnick, uh, the popular historian, entitled 1944, FDR and the Year that Changed History. Terry Teachout, who I'm pleased to say occasionally writes for these pages, is is best but hardly exclusively known as a writer about drama and music. But in this case, it's an examination to some degree of, of the attitude of the Roosevelt administration toward... Um, the plight of the European Jews during World War II. This is, of course, an immensely controversial and complicated issue. Uh, there are some who think that Roosevelt was um, uh, much too passive about the problem, who, who, to some degree, retreated into the notion that the the, the main objective was to defeat Germany, and that would um, that was the path to saving um, the, the Jews of Europe from destruction. Others, including uh, Terry Teachout, would argue otherwise. Um, the State Department at the time was very hostile to the, um, the the peril that the Jews of Europe found themselves in. Immigration uh, restrictions remained high, and FDR um, remained, uh, uh, one might say, disinterested in the problem, except, as I say, for the question of... of uh, his notion of how to resolve the problem, which was the defeat of Nazi germany but it's an interesting um, it 's an interesting historical question will probably never be settled to anyone 's satisfaction and Terry Teachout has strong views um, eloquently expressed on the subject which i'm sure you will find interesting to read that is followed by an essay by uh, a young contributor occasional contributor to our pages called Daniel Ross Goodman. Um, who uh, was recently in Madrid and, uh, at my request, actually looked into an interesting little controversy that has broken out in Spain's capital, which is the fact that there's a new uh, museum which is being built in Madrid called the Museum of the Royal Collections. Most of the um, great art in Spain um, uh, that's on exhibition is, it was collected by the Spanish royal families up until the 20th century. And a lot of them uh, were, in effect, loaned out or housed in the Prado, which is the great Spanish um, um, art gallery in Madrid. And anyway, now that the museum to be finished and open uh, in the fall of next year, uh, they want some of their paintings back, uh, many of which you all recognize, notably, I, and we use Anonymous Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights from the very early 16th century. Well, as you can imagine, this has created an enormous storm of um, debate uh, in Spain and in Europe. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, Daniel Goodman's um, comes down firmly on the side of the Prada where these paintings have been for the last uh, three quarters of a century and probably ought to remain indefinitely. I'm sure there are arguments on the other side, but it's one of those... It's one of those interesting uh, controversies in the uh, cultural world that, that is a mixture of, of art and politics and um, human emotion and history and other things all wrapped up in one nice little package. Two more pieces round out this section. One is a, a, a review of, uh, by Frank Freeman of a... Uh, uh, it's actually a collection of essays and memoirs um, papers delivered to and essays written for the Oxford C.S. Lewis Society, but it's the book is entitled C.S. Lewis and His Circle, published by Oxford University Press, and it's a series of essays on various aspects of Lewis and his and his circle in Oxford, a subject well known, I'm sure, to many of our readers. And um, being a collection of essays and and um, lectures, uh, it covers a wide range of topics. Um, from the sublime to the ridiculous, um, sounds like interesting reading, especially for people who are, who are especially interested in Lewis. And then, uh, uh, in in this World Series season, we have a essay by Thomas Vinciguera, which I entitled "Whisker Rebellion." Uh, Thomas is a uh, well-known and very distinguished uh, writer and a, uh, a biographer in New York City, and um, for the past few decades has had a very um, nicely trimmed and close cropped beard and but he obviously takes something of an interest in uh, the uh, condition of uh, facial hair and beards in our culture especially our American culture and he's a little worried about what he's seeing um, the kind of end of season good luck major league baseball beards the sort of novelty beards of Uh, rockers and whatnot who will grow the beard on half of their face um, variations of historic types of beards anyway it's all a matter of great interest and urgency and in some cases distress to um, Thomas Vincigera and he's written what I think is a uh, pretty funny but nonetheless comprehensive treatment of the subject which I know you maybe some of you are bearded as well but you don't have to be bearded to find it of interest. Uh, I am clean-shaven myself, and I found it absolutely um, enthralling. So that is the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard for the week for the uh, November 2nd issue. I, as always, I thank you very much for taking the time to join me, and I look forward to talking to you about next week's issue.